Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. What the hell is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Clip and Roll. I'm your host, Justin Russo. Joining me once again is a special guest, Shane Young. Shane, you're currently in Phoenix right now, awaiting game one. I will see you in Phoenix tomorrow. We were recording this on mm-hmm. Saturday night ahead of game one of the Western Conference Finals. That is such a weird sentence to say as a, as a person who covers the Clippers or seen the Clippers for 30 years. What First game of the Western Conference Finals, game one, game one of the Western Conference. I'm just going to keep saying it until it, until it, does, it doesn't feel you know old <laughs> anymore. Um, so I'm going to see you Sunday afternoon. There's going to be lots to talk about, but we're going to try to get through this podcast quick, fast, and in a hurry because I got to get some sleep, folks. It's late at night. I got an early flight. I got to get some sleep. But we're here to talk about Game 6 and how the Clippers even got to the Western Conference Finals. Game 6 happens on Friday night. Staples Center, Los Angeles, California. It is the first full-capacity game in Staples Center in over a year. And I honestly can say, from the opening outset of that like fans coming in were hyped it was i've never seen it before clipper fans for years and i know they can even attest to this when something starts to go wrong for them it's like it's it's like that cautious optimism and then like the the second something doesn't go the right way it's like oh even in pregame introductions it felt different i was sitting next to a reporter and we're sitting there listening to the crowd for lineup introduction shane you're two seats over from me and we can't hear each other. Dude, I, I know that, you know, the situation that was going on where I couldn't talk. I couldn't freaking talk because I was so used to yelling, not in the manner that like we're excited about the damn game. But like you have to you have to scream at the top of your lungs just to say, hey, did you see that play Terrence just had? Like, I can't, or like you know, did you did you did you see like this little thing like 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 we had to shout to each other six feet away? It was nuts, and I, I gotta I gotta actually attest to something you said where it was yeah you know, pregame we were all standing in that in that circle in the lobby and you know you you had Charlie Widow saying like then this is nuts like you know everyone flooding in like that after being at what six thousand seven thousand fans it, it just felt like we were in a different environment completely. It did not feel like Clippers games at Staples Center. No. Like, you know I mean, what I mean? I, like, yeah. like it, it did not feel, it, it felt like a religious experience. Like, on, like people were, no, like seriously, people showed up because after 50 years, they wanted to see something special and holy shit. They got something special. Official capacity, 17,105. It's shy of what is considered a Clipper sellout. However, it is still a sellout because they had to cut off some of the seats for added spacing uh, alongside benches and things like that. So it is a sellout. 17,000 fans show up. Lineup introductions are happening and they're going ballistic. They are like they're introducing Terrence Mann and they're going ballistic. They're introducing Paul George and the arena just comes unglued. The game hasn't even started yet. Game hasn't even started yet. And then the game starts. And for the first time all postseason, the Clippers win the opening tip. And I looked at you and I was like, is that a bad sign? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, what does that mean? 
whenever I it was one I know you've had this happen when you're at games but maybe you're like looking around or like I'm looking at you or something and I don't see what what transpired in that moment so I look down the court and I see Reggie with the ball and I'm like what the hell they won the tip I already had my Utah Jazz have won the opening tip ready to go. And then they screwed. And I literally had to erase it. Right. Los Angeles Clippers have won the opening tip and away it went. And the Clippers started off. Well, Utah started off making every pull up jumper you ever could. And we're going to fast forward in this game because honestly, the game did not start until the second half, Shane. If you really want to be honest with it. All right. So you and I both kind of like walk away and like at at halftime and kind of like just get some air and whatnot. Uh, yeah, I went to go talk to some friends. The mood, and I know you can, I know you experienced this as well. The mood was like very somber where I was. Like, it was like, holy shit, like they're not going to win in Salt Lake City because they're going back to Salt Lake City. They're down 22 at half, 70 to, or 72 to 50. It is on the verge of being a massacre, which we can get in, I guess, some of the numbers because as you said, like, the first half felt it, it just felt like a barrage. I think Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson had forty three combined points on twenty six shots. Uh, maybe yeah, I think it was twenty six shots they had. Uh, forty three combined points. It was reminiscent to me of Game Two all over again. Yeah, and then we found out it was a lot like Game Five. Like seriously, it yeah. turned into Game Five just on a grander scale. Um, yeah, yeah. Clippers are down 22 at the half and Clipper fan Clipper crowds of past would have just been like, all right, we can go home. Like we know what's happening. No one left the arena. People still, people showed up and they're sat there after halftime. Donovan Mitchell hits that three and it puts them up by 25, an impossible three. And it puts them up by 25. And you're sitting there thinking, I even tweeted out when he's making shots like that, it's just not your night. Like, it's just not your night at that point. Yeah. And then it started. Then the Clippers get it down to like, they got it down to 16. But here's what I want to say. They cut it to 20 and the fans were going ape shit, ape shit. And the, and their team was down 20 and they're, they're insane. They're screaming. I have not heard a cacophony of sound like that in my life. When your team is down by 20 and that's like there's a massive uproar, then they cut it to 16 and then they cut it to 14 and the crowd is just it's absurd. Yeah. And then Utah gets it back to 21. Which which that in and itself is is crazy to say the fact that Utah kind of kept punching back and they didn't lay down. Uh, really, I mean, it, it wasn't even Utah laying down for the entirety of the game. The Clippers just kept punching. It was like, it's a Rocky you know, movie, bro. We have never seen, I mean, I'm comfortable saying like, I haven't seen in person, uh, 81 points in the second half on 45 possessions, a 180 offensive rating, something that the Harlem Globetrotters would probably not even do if they were trying. It, it, it was it was remarkable, but obviously that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. So Utah goes up by 21. They push the lead back from 14 to 21. Six and a half to go. It's 88-67 Utah. Reggie makes a jumper over uh, Gobert. Then Reggie gets a layup. It's 17. But then Rudy gets a dunk. And it's a 19-point Utah lead 
with 530 to go, excuse me, 530 to go in the third quarter. It's a 90 to 71 Utah lead. And when I came home from the game, I was still wired because I don't know how you couldn't be after a game like that. I was up till four in the morning and I rewatched the game. And Mike Breen literally says the Clippers are having a good offensive game. They have 71 points on 50% shooting, but Utah has 90. And it's like, yeah. And then from the 530 mark until the 130 mark, four minutes, the Clippers go on a 17 to nothing run. Terrence Mann layup, Reggie free throws, Terrence Mann three, Terrence Mann layup, Terrence Mann three, PG free throws, Reggie three in the corner. I, every, I'm a little, I'm I'm a little, uh, offended it took eight and a half minutes to mention terrence Mann's name i i know i know and we're gonna get to, to the whole to the whole cake yeah. of him in a second uh we're just giving you a little slice right now every basket that goes in the crowd is hitting a decibel level that shouldn't happen the tables we're sitting at shane are starting to yeah. shake and it's and it's it's un- go go ahead uh, it's also worth mentioning that not even five, six feet behind us are screaming fans in our ears. Yes. Any video that you might watch from this game, whether that's broadcast or someone filming on their phone or whatever, it will not do that experience justice whatsoever because there was a feeling of belief in that building that I've never seen before. And the roar that came off of every play was utterly insane. It made your head hurt and it was awesome. They cut it to two and then Utah gets it back to six. And you're like, Oh God, like, like they're just answering (laughs) everything. And then Reggie hits a three to close the first half. I'm sorry to close the third quarter to cut the deficit to three. And then PG to open the fourth quarter tries to dunk on Rudy Gobert, remember? Yeah, I so said he almost ended his life. And yeah, I think it was in front of the art. It was the front of the basket we were closest to. Correct. Yeah. Um, he misses the dunk. And then there's a jump ball between PG and Clarkson. That PG wins down three. They win the jump ball and they come down and get a Nick Batum three to tie the game and then they get a Reggie Jackson layup and then Donovan Mitchell hits a three and Utah's up by two and then Patrick Beverly hits a three bro I don't know who I like if you gave me a uh, a medal like one of Kurt Angle's medals and said like give this to a player that that deserved it from the game obviously Terrence is the one standing right in front of you that deserves it but if you take him out of the equation I'm legitimately like baffled. I, I don't know. There, there were so many fantastic performances that I think even PG's game would he finish with 28. Like I think even PG's game is is not going to be viewed how it normally would because Pat Bev saved the damn day and Nick Batum might have been like. Nick Batum might have been the most important player in that game. And that sounds egregious to say when a guy had 39 points, he was the best French defender in the game, Shane. (laughs) And he's on the court with the, with the reigning defensive player of the year, three-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. And he was the best French defender on the floor. 
And Utah Come wanted on. him. Utah wanted Nick Batum. Rudy Gobert called Nicholas Batum in the offseason when he got waved by Charlotte. Damn. And, Good and God. Think, think about that. Think about the tables have turned. If Utah has a actual stretch five slash, uh, you know, small ball five that they could throw out there because they sure as hell didn't have that in this series. No, they did not. And I don't want to go too long on Utah with that. So with 9.50 to go in the fourth quarter, it's 99.99. So in the span of essentially nine minutes, the Clippers erased a 21-point deficit. PG makes a three. Reggie gets a layup. Nick gets a three. They're up seven. Then Bogdanovich hits back-to-back threes. The second of one might have been the most heavily contested three I've ever seen in my life. PG jumper. Terrence Mann layup. PG jumper. Terrence Mann three. Holy shit, Shane. The Clippers are up by 10, and there's, you know, five and a half to go. I mean, whenever you looked at me and said, I think you looked over at one point and said, they were down 25. Now they just won by 12. Like, like that, that doesn't happen. That never happens. If, if you're down 25, um, you know, reminiscent, you obviously, from, you probably remember every single minute detail of this game. But whenever the Clippers came back down 31 in Golden State and Oracle, like they didn't win that game by 12. You know, I don't think they right. did. So it's no, like, it was, that, they grinded it at the yeah, end. Yeah, this shit never happens, ever. So they're up 10. O'Neal makes an and one. They're up seven. PG makes a, sh- a shot at the rim. They're up nine. Then Mitchell makes a three. O'Neal makes a layup. Oh, all of a sudden, it's a four-point game with four minutes to go. Reggie Jackson abuses, abuses someone at the rim and makes a layup. Mike Conley misses a three. Donovan Mitchell misses a three. And then up by six with 3.06 to go. Patrick Beverly left wing right over Bojan Bogdanovich. Splash town. And the Clippers are up nine and the arena is going fucking ballistic and you can't hear yourself and your brain is hurting. You feel like your ears are bleeding and you realize, yes, they're up nine. And yes, there's three minutes to go. There ain't no fucking way they're losing this this game, Shane. Not with this crowd. Not on this night. Not with everything they've showed in the second half. And was that after or before Donovan looked a little bit hobbled? Uh, he had started to look a little bit hobbled by this time. And then he started, he got to the free throw line after it's nine. And then uh, O'Ne- Royce O'Neal hits that three to push it back to seven. Uh, by the way, Royce O'Neal, Royce, every time he hits a three, he blows a kiss to either the Clippers bench or the, or the fans. I'm not sure which one it is. Yeah. Well, kiss Royce O'Neal goodbye. So, you know, God. congrats to him on that. Patrick Beverly hits the three to put them back up 10 with 115 to go. And everything is coming up, Millhouse. It is absurd. They close out the game. Guys come off the floor, get individual ovations. Batum, PG, Reggie. And the last guy to get yanked out of the game for his individual ovation was Terrence Mann. 39 points. I, I, I don't know what to say. He had 25 of his 39 in the second half. Reggie Jackson in the second half of this game, Reggie Jackson had 22 points and 10 assists in the second half. He abused Rudy Gobert endlessly. He demolished Jordan Clarkson at the point of attack every time and kicked it out for threes. Reggie Jackson 
and Terrence Mann in the second half combined for 47 points. The Utah Jazz as a team had 47 in the second half. Did Ooh. you ever think that in a, a deciding game, a, a, a win or go home, the Utah Jazz ever thought in their existence that three players on the Clippers would combine yeah. for 82 points and none of them would be a guy making above the veteran minimum because those three yeah. guys were Terrence Mann, Reggie Jackson, and Nicholas Batum. And if you're Quinn Snyder, how sick are you that you didn't even get beat? Like the conversation all year, Justin, has been, oh, well, you know, the, the Clipper, the Jazz are really good, but the Clippers had those two superstar wings that you're not going to have an answer for. You know, you're just going to switch against them and they're going to get anything they want. That's not what beat them. Reggie Jackson beat them. Like Terrence Mann beat them. And I'll go one further. Like I've kind of, I've kind of like stayed on this sentiment for a couple of weeks because I just think of how absolutely egregious it is to, to think about um, in the context of the Clippers team as a whole. But put yourself in, go back to the bubble. Go back to like the Denver series and the and the Dallas series. Just put yourself in that mind state right now. Like, what if I told you, Justin? At that, you know, in that August moment of last year, that Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann would combine for 47 points a year later in a pivotal game in the second round. Like, you would have told me I'm not allowed on the podcast anymore. I would have told you to stop doing drugs. <laughs> it that, that right there, like, epitomizes to me, like, just when you put things in the context of, of how the Clippers got here with this unit, with this iteration of the team, like, I don't believe it. I, I kind of feel like I'm going to wake up tomorrow and uh, Jermichael Green still be on the team and Montrez still be on the team and, and all this will be like water under the bridge. So here's a fun one. You ready? Yeah. If you just look at the second half, only five Clippers scored. One of the five was not Marcus Morris. He only took one shot in the second half and he missed it. If you just add up Batum, Jackson, Mann, and Beverly, the Clippers outscored Utah by 20. And that's without their best guy on the floor. PG had 14. It, it, it helps. And we should also mention that, like, it helps the Clippers, but it really hurt the Jazz that although they got Mike Conley, one of my favorite dudes, back, uh, he, he, was he, not wasn't, ready. he wasn't ready. Nope, wasn't ready to come back. And clearly even though you can see a guy make like 25 straight threes in practice, like that, that's not simulation. And it's not the same as coming around screens and pulling up with, with guys, you know, in your grill. So uh, he, he wasn't making shots. I mean, the most telling stat is he had six turnovers and you and I both know that early in the game, PG just flat out ripped him. And when that I, I, you and I talked after the game, that's when I knew yeah. Mike wasn't healthy. And I felt, I felt like sad because he clearly was not ready for this. Um, and he gave it a go. That dude's a gamer. Um, it was only the 16th time in Mike Conley's career that he's had six or more turnovers in a game. You ready for the kicker? Yeah. It was the only time he's ever done in the postseason. Oh, oh my God. And he's had a lot of playoff games over a hundred, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God. not great. I felt bad for him to be honest with you, but the Clippers win. They win by 12. They somehow go from down 25, 30 seconds into the third quarter to winning by 12. And I sat there with you post game, sitting there at our tables and just casually looking at each other like they, they really won this game. Like they just won the game. U Utah was a deer in headlights when the Clippers had their comeback. Um, I talked well, to some people. 
Do you remember what I came up to you at halftime and said? What'd you say? I don't remember. I came over there. I was probably still a uh, horse, but I came over there and said, uh, you want to go to Salt Lake City with me? <laughs> yeah, I said no. And it looks like you ain't going to Salt Lake City either, buddy. Holy hell. I, I, the fact that, like, it, it just, it to me, it felt over. That I, I'll say, like, the whole series felt over when Donovan hit that three, which was a really, like, smart play by him because the Clippers did their patent. Like, I'm going to send that late double with four left on the shot clock. And he just said, well, screw you. I'm pulling up regardless. <laughs> yeah, when that shot went in, I didn't think I didn't think the Clippers had that in store. Yeah, it's uh, they were down twenty one with 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 like six minutes to go. I mean, like at the end of the day, like we've talked about the twenty five and ha ha ha, like they were down twenty five, but like they're down, they're down twenty one with six and like six minutes to go. You know, like you go back and look at the the win probability. At one point, they had like a 2.2% win probability or something. Like, the, 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 how? Well, well, I put in my article that I wrote uh, from a freaking hotel lobby, I wrote that once Donovan hit that three, the, the probability, the win probability from ESPN went to 98.5. Once Donovan hit that three to go 25, the Jazz had a 98.5% chance of winning. It felt like 100. Yeah. And then it wasn't. Sure. They kept grinding away and grinding and grind. Turnover, fast break, turnover, fast break, turnover, <laughs> fast. Like it was like they yo-yoed Utah all, all over the court. Like God. I, I don't know how to explain this game to somebody who didn't watch it. Like if you saw the final score, you went, "Oh, okay." But when you watched how it happened, you're like, wait, what? By the way, all of this that we talked about, Terrence Mann had 20 points in the third quarter of this game, and it wasn't even the highest scoring quarter by a player in the game because Jordan Clarkson had 21 in the second quarter alone and had like his own personal 17 to two run. And and part of me, part of me does like uh, miss the fact that we weren't we, we weren't watching it on the broadcast, like to hear Mike Breen's constant bangs because I, he he banged one for Terrence Mann with like still in the third quarter. It felt like I mean, it, it was a wild. He game. did. It was he a did. wild game. I've never heard that before. Like <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like it's, should it's talk, seriously. Should we talk about how how Terrence was getting these butt naked threes? Oh, because Rudy didn't want to le- didn't want to help into the into the paint, which I mean I understand, but you know it is what it is. Um, by the way, fun fact: this was the second time this postseason a team has lost a game when scoring seventy at least seventy points in the first half. Do you want to know the team that lost the first game in this postseason doing it? I think Milwaukee. I don't know. The Clippers against Dallas. <laughs> Wait, what? Which game? Game two. Um, oh, no. Game two, the close. Someone had to lose that game though, because yeah. in game two at halftime it was seventy three seventy one Clippers, and the Clippers <laughs> ended up losing. So when you go through postseason history, and you end up looking at everything, um, I want to say like, oh my God, holy crap, Shane, the Clippers have been involved in the last three games in which a team lost when scoring seventy in the first half. Well, this entire playoff in the postseason. Run, it, it, it feels like one sick joke to me. Well, the other one that they were involved in was the 31-point comeback. 
Oh, Golden State? Yeah. What the mm-hmm. hell? So all time, I'm looking this up literally right now. All time in the history of the playoffs, if you score 70 points in the first half, those teams are 110 and 15. And the Clippers have two of those wins. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What what is it about the team? Like it's a whole new it's a whole different coaching staff. Like what is it about this team? I don't know. I don't know. Um so now the Clippers are on to Utah. Uh, oh, by the way, the Clippers scored 81 points in the second half. Yeah, they're on to Phoenix, like, by the way. Yeah, they're on to Phoenix. Um, Clippers missed 12 shots in the second half. They only missed five of their 19 threes. Five of 19 threes were missed. I'm going to say that again. They only missed five of 19 threes. What the hell? Now, granted, most of them were stone cold wide open. Um, they missed six shots in the entire fourth quarter. They only And they missed six as well in the third. Jeez. They went exactly 15 of 21 in each quarter in the third and the fourth. All right, so you know how you said you you couldn't explain this to somebody unless you were there. Like, you would literally need like an encyclopedia of of facts from this game. And uh, Dan Wilkie actually stole my idea. Did you see that? No, I didn't. He uh, he had that thing where he said, or like sixteen most you know, the craziest facts about this game. He posted Jesus. that today. I was like, man, that that's what this game. You need something like that to do it justice because. You know, if a family member like my my mom or dad that don't really watch NBA asked me about the game and I said, oh, Clippers won by 12 or whatever, like you would have to go through all the context of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Utah turned the ball over 17 times. They had a result in 31 points. Clippers had 21 fast break points. They just slaughtered the living crap out of them in transition. And Utah had no answer. Utah looked like the team that was missing their star rather than the team that got them one of them back. Yeah. For sure. That, it was that's... it was staggering. Um, Clippers are on to Phoenix. Game one is Sunday afternoon. Game two will be Tuesday. As I said, I will be there for both. Uh, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to cover <laughs> the, the Clippers' first ever Western Conference Finals berth in, in person, even if I had to go on the road to do it. Um, Shane, I do not know what to expect out of this series. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, there's no yeah. update. He's still out. He's out for game one. Chris Paul's out for game one with the COVID protocols. Um, I don't know, man. I literally, I literally do not know because this is the first time since 2007. This is a very niche stat. So I understand it's going to be really weird. So just bear with me on this one for the first time since 2007, a team that won a series, a second round series in six games had a one day turnaround, one, one day of rest turnaround to play in the conference finals against a team that finished their series in five or fewer games. That team in 2007 was the San Antonio Spurs. They also had to go and play a Sunday afternoon uh, game. However, for them, their game was at home. They had no travel. Well, that team swept the finals, so, you know. Yeah, that team won the title. The other team, believe it or not, uh, was the – since 2000, was the 2003 Detroit Pistons. They got one day off after winning in six – and uh, they they came home to play against the New Jersey Nets and uh, got beat on a Sunday afternoon game and ended up getting swept by New Jersey. Oh wow, Jason! So the Kidd. Clippers are the first one to do it by going on the road since yeah. two thousand. Yeah, with one day of rest. Hey, you know what? Let's pour one out for the uh, for the tank people that just absolutely want to still uh, talk about how they tanked that, you know, to get into that bracket. Well, Hey, uh, you know, I guess gains, it worked. Gainsmanship 
is is still alive in sports. I don't believe they tanked it, but at the end of the day, who gives a crap? They're in their first ever conference final, so they can eat it. I really don't care. And, and something you meant something you mentioned about about uh not knowing what to expect in the series. I don't think Ty Lu knows what to expect in the series. And, and no, that's, we talked that's him insane. Today. Yeah. Yeah, we talked to him today and he was like, I don't know. I don't know. He's he said he's gonna play ten plus guys again in the first half. He has to. Yeah. They need the break. Which lends it, which is a reasoning why they get down. They they might just if they win if they win the title, like they they might do so by starting o two in every series. Yeah, just getting just getting <laughs> enough rest to win four out of the next five. Um, look, I don't know if they're going to win this series. We have not made any predictions in our entire time that we've done this. I, I I made predictions last year. I got one right. I got one wrong. I'm not making predictions anymore. Um, this I don't know. This season is wonky. This Clippers team is wonky. They're, they fight like hell. They're the toughest Clippers team I've ever seen. They're in their first ever conference finals, for, folks. I, I really need to say this again. What the fuck? They're in their first ever conference finals. This team. <laughs> they were without Kawhi Leonard for game five on the road, chain. Game six at home. Down 25 in the third, and they won. They won the series. They won four in a row off the number one seed. And the number one seed shot well from three. Yeah, I mean, and if and really, I think the over like the overarching takeaway is, you know, if, if you're going to look into the future, which I think, you know, obviously you want to live in the moment and this playoff run matters like the most to everyone on the team. And obviously the people that are have been supporting the team for years and years. But it's like, holy hell, man, like if, if Terrence Mann is is this like if he's this moving forward, then like their outlook gets a lot gets a lot better drastically inclusive. changes yeah drastically because not only is I, now i will plant my flag that no matter what i don't care if they lost in the first round Kawhi leonard was going to resign i still believe that but it's like i'd um, agree with you but it but it's like holy hell like if he looks at this and says like man well, i got someone that that can do this for another 10 years like sign me up <laughs> no dude this is uh, first off, shout out to Terrence Mann for the work that he's put in all season. But also, shout out to Kenny Atkinson in the player development department. This is un- this is why I was I was pumped when they signed Kenny Atkinson on the staff. Yeah, like you come over for the Brooklyn work he's and, done and with everybody. The work he's done with everybody, Shane. Not even just the young guys. Look yeah, at Reggie. Um, Look at Nick. Yeah, I was trying to think of who. Uh, who who kind of who shouted him out? I, I well, Luke Kennard has actually shouted out Chauncey, I guess, the most. It seems like, and that's what I like about the coaching staff. To be honest with you, is that it feels like there's a there's a guy for every player on the team to learn from. Like you know, Roy Rogers is obviously that big man that helps out Zoo every game. You know, yeah. If you, if, for people who don't know, if you go to Clippers games and you're going to see a guy working out with Zoo, that's Roy Rogers. They, he, they, he runs Zoo through a ridiculous <laughs> regimen before games. Yeah. And then DeMarcus does the same. <laughs> for Zoo. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so but you know who else? Uh, Sean Fine. Yeah. He's, the player like over, he's the overseer of it. Yeah. He's the overseer. Yeah. Uh, Sean Fine, who came with Kenny. Um, this guy, man. He was the he was the head coach of the Nets G League team, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I don't I don't know, man. I just don't know. Shane, they're in their their game one, <laughs> game 
one of the Western Conference Finals Sunday afternoon in Phoenix. You'll be there. I'll be there. You know who else is going to be there? The goddamn Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> and not Chris Paul. <laughs> well, crazy. It's I'm crazy. Kind of, I'm, I'm, well, no, he's he's in Los Angeles. I'm I'm actually sad about Chris. I mean, I, I am too. He's my third favorite player ever. I mean, it's like, it, it's a bummer. But it is, like, it is weird that what could have been an incredible series still might be still might be, but it gets marred by like not having the best player in the series, Kawhi Leonard and the guy that is going to dictate the pace, uh, choose the tempo of the entire series. And really like, I, I guess, force the, the Clippers into doing things they don't want to do. And that's Chris. So uh, I, hopefully Chris plays some of the series, uh, you know, hopefully he rejoins the team in the middle of the series. Who knows? I really want Chris and Kawhi to be playing in the series. I'm so over injuries, dude. Yeah, and they're actually they're actually uh, they're actually close friends too. Not close, close, but like they're you know pretty tight. So that'd be cool. Yeah, they're amicable. That's yeah. how I describe everyone. Chris Paul, <laughs> amicable. Um, if you want to find Shane, you obviously know where at Young NBA on Twitter. You can find him at Forbes Sports Writing. Shane, I'm going to be on an insane schedule these next several days, man. So if if I honestly, if you talk to me. And I'm my eyes are glassed glassed over and and like I I just yeah. don't respond. Just understand I'm like probably sleeping with my eyes open. Well, you better sleep on the plane. If you don't, you're doing it injustice. I mean, it's only like an hour flight. So yeah, it was 55 minutes. Yeah. I literally woke up as we like we we're landing. So that that's a good way to get a nap before you go into a hostile environment that might be louder than Sable Center. Who knows? We'll see. I mean, yeah, Phoenix. From what I've heard, is just unreal. Um, Shane. I'll see you for game one. <laughs> Clippers are in the Western Conference Finals. Say it again with me, people. The Western Conference Finals. We'll see how much further they go, but for God damn, this is the most insane season I've ever seen. Shane, I'll see you tomorrow. Clippers game one, Western Conference Finals. What the goddamn. damn.